We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Hi, everyone. So today is the Ascension. Uh, and in the modern world, this is kind of a teaching of Christianity that, I don't know, I don't think we think too much about. It's not at the center of what we think it means to be a Christian. That wasn't the case in the ancient world. So in the ancient world, when you talked about someone who was called the Lord and who ascended into heaven, everyone knew that story. Everyone knew what you were talking about. And you said, you know, the the Lord ascended, he is seated in heaven. Everyone knew what that story was about. It was about Julius Caesar. Gotcha. (laughs) It was. You might not know this. This is really important. Today, what I want to talk with you about, today is a day, this is a Christian political feast. Right? Don't ever invite me over for dinner. Like, politics, religion, you're going to get it, right? (laughs) That's what happens when when you deal with me. Today is a political feast feast day. In the year 42 BC, and Julius Caesar died in the year 44 BC. Two years later, his son, Caesar Augustus, was at the Roman Forum with all the Senate of Rome, right, the most powerful empire the world has ever known. And in the year 42 BC, Caesar Augustus formally proclaimed that Julius Caesar, his father, had ascended to heaven and was thus one of the gods. Caesar, or I'm sorry, Julius, or Augustus Caesar, Caesar Augustus, he used that politically to have himself proclaimed throughout the Roman Empire, Divi Filius, the son of a god. And that comes up all through the Gospels. When Jesus is in the temple and he asks for a coin, right, and he says, render unto Caesar, the coin that Jesus has in his hands has an image of Caesar Augustus, and it says, the divine Caesar, son of God. Christianity is political. It always has been. It always will be. Jesus was crucified as a king, as a threat to the Roman Empire. The idea, I didn't mean to get into all of this, the idea that somehow religion and politics have nothing to do with each other is an 18th century Enlightenment idea that was designed and invented to silence Christians. Let me say that again. The idea that religion and politics have nothing to do with each other is an 18th century Enlightenment idea that was designed to silence Christians. It's a relatively new idea. Okay, how's that for your intro today? 
Are you awake? Here we go. So, aren't you tired of politics? Everyone's tired of politics today, aren't we? It's really bad in our country right now. We're more divided than we've been in a long time. And it's that way in a lot of places in the world. Here's a quote that came out, I think it's from this week, um, from Elton John, of all people. I've cleaned it up a little bit because it's a little bit salty. Um, But basically, here's what he said. He was at a concert, I think, in Germany. And he said, I am sick to death of politicians. I am sick to death of Brexit. I am a European, not a colonial, imperialist Englishman. He he added a few choice words in there that I omitted, so (laughs) I just thought, we're in church, and I'm already salty enough. What's the ascension about? There's such good news for you today. There's such good news for you and for me today. If you're tired of politics, if you're tired of the way the political discussions happen in our country, today is a feast day for you. Today is a profound feast day. Today is a feast day that calls us to joy, but it's also a feast day that calls us to live differently in this world. It's massively important. Today in our gospel, it cut things a little short. Right when Jesus, we come into the gospel today, he's talking to the apostles right as he's about to ascend into heaven. And right before that, the apostles ask him a, king, a question. And our gospel admitted that today. But he's, he's answering a question the apostles gave to him. And the question they asked was this. It says, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, which by the way, that term Lord, right, in Lent and Advent here at Lord's, we go to Greek for the penitential rite, right? We say, Kyrie elehison, Lord have mercy. Kyrie, or Kyrios, that word, Lord, is a title for Caesar in the ancient world. You and I do not give that title to anyone except him. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Kyrie, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to, at this time, are you going to give the kingdom back to us? And it's no accident, this is the story that begins Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles, what is it about? Acts of the Apostles is the story of the Our Father. Right? The the modern world has convinced you and I as Christians. The Enlightenment has convinced you and I as Christians. It's fine to be a Christian. Just keep it to yourself. Right? Live a good life. Have donuts after Mass. Right? And, I don't know, do the Christian thing. Help the poor. And then keep it to yourself and someday you get to go to heaven. Every day you pray the Our Father. I hope you pray the Our Father multiple times every day. And every time you pray the Our Father, you pray against that idea. Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let me live a good life and get me out of here to go to heaven. No. Thy kingdom 
come. Those, those three words should be enough for all of us in this room today to live differently as Christians. As Christians, we do not pray that we would escape the world and get away from this political mess that our country's created. We don't pray for that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Acts of the Apostles is the story of God's kingdom coming into earth. That's what Acts of the Apostles is about. And all through that story, it's the story of three kingdoms. N.T. Wright, I'm in the habit right now of like giving sponsorships for our homilies. We don't get any money for them yet. Maybe someday. Um, but today's homily is sponsored by N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright says that the Acts of the Apostles is the story of three kingdoms. It's the story of the kingdom of Herod. And the first half of Acts of the Apostles is all about Herod's evil kingdom, right? Where he is seeking nothing but himself and power. And it is the story of the church of Jesus Christ, right? That is fighting to make God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The second half of Acts of the Apostles is about the kingdom of Caesar. And much of the New Testament is about the confrontation between God's kingdom and Caesar's kingdom. And it is no accident, right? Do you ever wonder why the church is in Rome? My, my nieces and nephews, we were in Disneyland a number of years ago. And uh, I could make a crack about Disney, but I'll hold it in. We were at Disney World, and I was giving them, like, Catholic trivia. That's what you do when you're a frunkle, right? You know that? When you become a priest uncle, like father uncle, it's frunkle. When you become a frunkle, you ask your nieces and nephews Catholic trivia. So I was asking them all these different questions, and Clara Jane figured out that the answer is always Rome. She still says that to this day. She's like, whenever I ask her anything, I'm like, how was your week? She's like, Rome. Anyway, it's no mistake, it is no accident. The whole story of Acts of the Apostles is always driving towards the city of Rome. It's always driving there. Why is the Vatican in Rome? Why is our church center in Rome? Why do people call us Roman Catholics? Why does that happen? Because the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the church on earth, is something that is always confronting the kingdoms of this world. And Acts of the Apostles ends right before St. Peter and St. Paul will be martyred in Rome for the kingdom of God. How do we tie this together? What does this all mean? Brothers and sisters, there's this great line in Revelation. I just love it. In Revelation 11, your favorite and mine, in Revelation 11, there's seven trumpet blasts, and we could give a whole sermon on that. But after the seventh uh, blast of the trumpet, it says, 11, Revelation 11, 15, the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven. Sounds like today's responsorial psalm. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. 
There were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. That's today's feast day. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever. The ascension is the enthronement of Christ as king of heaven and earth. That, in, that verse, by the way, that verse is inscribed over the high altar of Westminster Cathedral in London. And let's just break this open today just a little bit. What does this mean for us? What is this about? Brothers and sisters, the story of the church is the story of God's kingdom breaking into this world. Our second reading today from Ephesians chapter 1 talks about the ascension. It says, What is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe according to the working of his great might, which he accomplished in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul goes on and on. He says, God raised Jesus from the dead. He brought him to heaven. He gave him authority and power, and not just any power. He says he gave him power far above every rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, right? Jesus is kind of a big deal. He has power and authority over everything. Why did the Father do that? Why did the Father give Christ authority over absolutely everything? Why? He has put all things under his feet and has made him head over all things for the church. Here's what I hope you get. Here's what you have to get. The church has a mission, a profound mission. God has raised Christ, the Father has raised him, and has seated him above everything for you and me. And it isn't so that you can kind of skate through life, not work too hard, and hopefully enjoy eternity in heaven. That's not the story of Christianity. Christianity is the story of God's kingdom come to earth. And you are a servant of the only true king. There's two ways we get this wrong in history. And I want to leave you with this today. There's two ways you can get this wrong. And they're both really bad. Right? The first way is what the Enlightenment tells us. The Enlightenment tells us, it's fine to be a Christian, just keep it to yourself. Brothers and sisters, the, God's kingdom in this world, God's kingdom in this world confronts the evil present. Our job, and not just in our time, but always, for all of Christian history, the job of the church is to confront the evil kingdoms of this world. 
Don't think that our age is different from others. It is not. Christians are the conscience of their cultures they live in. Right? Maybe you're tired of fighting for pro-life. You shouldn't be. Because I hate to break it to you, Donald Trump is not king. Barack Obama was not king. George Bush was not king. Jesus Christ is king. And that's really good news. It's really good news. And at the end of time, right, we will all find out that every human soul matters. Every single one. And I know it's hard to be political. I know that. I know you, you, that it's, it gets awkward and uncomfortable. You know what? You'll be glad you were uncomfortable on Judgment Day. You'll be very glad you were uncomfortable around people who do not value human life. And I, and I need to caveat that. Can I make the caveat? You know it. We love them. Most of them have amazingly good intentions. But human life matters. There is one king. His name is not Donald. His name is not Barack. Right? His name is not whatever else you want to substitute. The only king is named Jesus. Peter and Paul knew that. They knew, they knew they were getting in trouble by talking about the gospel. They knew that. In the, in the reign of Nero the emperor, St. Peter was beheaded, or St. Paul was beheaded, and St. Peter was crucified upside down. And you know why? Because Christianity is political. Because they declared there was one Lord and his name is not Caesar. We've got to reclaim that. I think that's the biggest danger today. There's great examples of Christian saints in history. One of my favorite, two of my favorite, St. Ambrose and St. John Chrysostom. So cool. I, it would be so neat to see this today. They both live with Roman emperors, under Roman emperors, and both of them publicly rebuked them and called two separate emperors to do penance for their sins against God. That's what the church does when it has courage and it knows that he has ascended to heaven. There is one Lord. His name is not Caesar. The second danger is this. And I, I don't think we're anywhere near this in our time, but the church has been in history. The other danger is if God's so powerful, if Jesus is head over everything, why isn't it easier? Do you ever wonder that? This means Yes. This means no. Do you ever wonder, why isn't it easier? Lord, if you're, if you're enthroned, if you're all-powerful, why doesn't everyone see things the way we do? Why don't we just like kindly say, you know, um, a, a child comes into existence at the moment of conception. People say, oh my gosh, I never thought about that before. Jesus must be Lord. Where do you go to church? Right? Don't you wish that would happen? Here's the danger of this thing. Why doesn't God just give us more power? Because we can bring about the kingdom in the wrong way. And the church has done this at times in history. We've, we've tried to bring about the kingdom using the weapons of the world. Right? We have seen some of this with, and I do think there's a truth to this, of, of clerical abuses of power. 
The way Jesus brings the kingdom is not by forcing it. Jesus brings the kingdom by dying on a cross. That's how the kingdom comes. Christians do not bring the kingdom of God by forcing it. We do not bring it by political power. We do not bring it by force. Christians bring the kingdom the way Jesus did and the way Peter and Paul did. There is nothing more powerful than a person who lays down their life for the truth. Do you want to win the cultural battles in our, in our society today? I do. The best way we can do that is by becoming holy and showing not that we're powerful, but that we love. And that we are willing to suffer for what is good. So brothers and sisters, today, today is a political feast. And it's such good news. When you get fearful about where the world's going, you don't have to be because there is one Lord. And someday, Jesus, all knees will bend to you, every knee. Lord, today, give us joy and confidence that your ascension is for us, it's for the church. Lord, that you are the ruler of all. Jesus, give us courage. Give us courage to live our faith publicly, to not be ashamed of the truth, but to rejoice in the truth. But Lord, help us not to abuse that. May we never be seduced by power. May we bring your kingdom the way you did. God, our Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us now stand.